Hello, and welcome back to another edition of EdChoice Chats. This is Mike McShane, Director of National Research at EdChoice. And today, we have another installment of my podcast, What's Up with Mike McShane. Today, we're going to answer the question, What's Up with the Fusion Education Group? To answer that question, I'm going to be chatting with Pete Rupert, who is the founder and CEO of the Fusion Education Group. This is a really interesting school network. Some folks might not be aware of it, but as Pete will tell us, it has 80 plus schools, physical locations serving more than 10,000 students in 18 states across the country. They've also showed up a growing online academy that is serving even more students and probably more. By the time this comes out, there'll probably be more students enrolled, but clearly something that's growing. So Pete has a really interesting experience because he's been in this space of innovative education, as he will discuss on the podcast, for a while. So he has seen ebbs and flows, ups and downs, and I think has lots of really interesting lessons to learn. We're going to spend a fair bit of time talking about the model itself, because I think it's really interesting. It actually kind of dovetails a bit. Those of you that read my most recent book about hybrid homeschooling, I actually heard a lot of echoes from a lot of the folks that I talked about in the hybrid homeschooling space, where students might take a smaller number of very intensive courses and then have time to themselves to work on quote unquote homework, enrichment work, or whatever you want to call it. In the hybrid homeschooling space, they may be in a physical school for the classroom time and then at home for the other part. But what we'll learn about today that the Fusion Academies, which are the schools that Fusion Education Group runs, they actually keep a lot of that in-house and on campus. So I hope that that's got you all excited. This is a really interesting conversation. I think you're definitely going to enjoy it. So here is my conversation about the Fusion Education Group with Pete Rupert, its founder and CEO. So Pete, could you give me the kind of overview of the Fusion Education Group? Sure, absolutely, Mike. I appreciate it. Fusion Education Group today is an organization we're headquartered here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and we own and operate a chain, if you will, of 81 physical campuses plus an online academy called Fusion Global Academy. The physical campuses are all known as Fusion Academies. And we've been at this for about 16 years now when I started the company and we acquired the original campus from female entrepreneur genius named Michelle Rose Gilman who's still a partner with us today. And it was her vision that I fell in love with that we have acquired that original school and we've replicated ever since. So today we serve north of 10,000 students across these 81 campuses plus online. And physically in campuses in 18 different states, our online school services kids in all 50 states plus over 30 countries now who attend our online school. Our focus is sixth through 12th grade students and our unique differentiation is we're driven to be the most personalized schools in the world. We're in virtually every class. We have a one-to-one -one setup where one teacher and one student go through the class together. And it's not like full-time tutoring where a student has the same teacher all day, but instead students move from class to class and teacher to teacher depending on the subject. So we've been doing this since 2007. We acquired the original Fusion in 2008. And today, like I said, we've grown substantially. And, and we're proud of the fact that with our one-to-one -one setup, our teachers can be so much more than just teachers. They can indeed personalize the education around the needs of the kid. And they can also provide 
a really important component to education, which is the mentoring aspect. So our teachers are able to coach and mentor and get to know each and every kid and help them overcome any challenges and be right with them by their side so we can indeed help each and every kid achieve their potential and be excited about their future. And I think that's ultimately what we try and do is change the direction and the trajectory of every student where they can leave Fusion inspired and ready to go do amazing things in the world. That's fantastic. And there's so many different ways. Basically what you said there, I'm just, it's like a pinata. You can hit it from every angle and candy's going to come out somewhere. So I got to figure out exactly how, but I think (laughs) maybe, so I'm fascinated by this sort of one-to-one model. Maybe it would help. Could you sort of walk through, like, let's say I'm a fusion student and I walk through the doors in the morning. What does like a typical day look like for me? Yeah, great question. And so one of the things we get frequently asked is exactly how do we make that work? How do you make a one-on-one classroom work? Well, as we all know, one-to-one is much more effective simply because you don't have 25 or 30 kids in a classroom. And so the student can move through the material so much more quickly. And so in a traditional school, like most of us went to, Mike, you know, we would go to math class every day from 11 to 11.50, five days a week. Well, at Fusion, with your one-to-one teacher, you have maybe a couple of hours a week with your teacher on that math subject. So maybe Tuesday and Thursday. So think of more like a block schedule in a college environment is more like our program works. And so when you're not in class, though, you're assigned homework and independent study work. So you're not just done in those two hours. You then have to go work on the material and the assignments you've been given in what we call our homework cafe, which Think of a large room with a Starbucks type of feel with some conference tables, with some couches and some chairs, and students can study for tests or get their homework done and have a little bit of socialization time because that's a key part of what we try and bring to a student as well. Because in a one-on-one classroom, you're not getting that. So we have to make sure we provide that through the homework cafe, through our lunchtime clubs and associations we have and other things that we do throughout the day. So a student might come in on Monday And on Mondays, I have math and my science class and my English class. And that'll be Mondays and Wednesdays, typically. And then on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I might have three other subjects, science and my foreign language, et cetera. And so you're balancing out. A typical full-time student might take six classes per semester. And some take additional courses that we offer as well. And some might do work on Friday. But the majority of the work week is done Monday through Thursday. And then many students will take additional classes, or we have some group options as well, sometimes on Fridays, ways to enhance the educational experience for the child so that they're really getting all they can from the educational experience. And so when we're looking at your students, the students that you serve, is there a typical profile? Is there a great deal of diversity to different campuses, cater to different communities? Sort of who is your typical student? Yeah, great question. And what's funny is the typical student is not really typical. You know, many of the students who come to us have come to us because they've struggled or they've been frustrated or they've not been challenged in a traditional public or private school. And so mom and dad see their child not thriving and think about, okay, is this the best option for our kids? Should we look for other things? And so they end up finding about fusion and this idea of that one-to-one learning where you know, what we really try and position ourselves as is a school built around the needs of each individual kid so that every student who walks in says, oh, my gosh, this school is built for me. And if we can deliver that kind of feeling for every student, then we know we've had a successful program. If you think about students who have struggled in the traditional school for whatever reason, sometimes it's because they're not getting the material, they're falling behind in their classes. 
And so parents feel like it's not being personalized enough for them and they're not thriving. Other times they might have social or emotional challenges, be they come from an environment where they were bullied or a dysfunctional family situation, or their son or daughter's gotten in the wrong crowd and is heading down the wrong path. Sometimes families come to us with their son or daughter is extremely accelerated and they're frustrated because they're bored and they're not being challenged. They're looking for something else and they want to really tackle their education in a positive light. And, and sometimes we have kids who are athletes or actors or musicians, and they have these passions outside of work, so they need that flexible schedule. And so every kid comes to Fusion with their own unique story, which is kind of the power of the way the program works. And every kid knows that every kid's story is unique. And so because our schools are smaller, we get the added benefit of not necessarily having the clicks of the jocks and the musicians and the computer geeks, et cetera. And instead, it's a small school. A big school for us might be 80 to 100 kids, 6th through 12th grade. So the power of it is that every student knows each other, and then every student knows every teacher, and every teacher knows every student, even if you're not necessarily teaching them, because it's a small environment that is designed to feel like a family-like atmosphere. That was actually, I was interested in hearing two numbers and one you just said, which was, I was curious what your school size was. So this 80 to 100 range you're saying. I'm interested from the teacher's perspective, like what is the usual sort of student load for teachers? Like how many individual students is a teacher responsible for in their particular subject area? Yeah, it's a great question. So I'll go back a little bit and talk about the student day. So I should say when a student comes in, they have those three classes on Monday and those are basically an hour each. And then we will provide assignments after each one of those classes. And so then they have three homework cafe sessions and then there's a lunch hour. So a school day is pretty full for a regular student. Teachers, on the other hand, are teaching, depends on their schedule, depends on what subjects they teach and how much variability they have to teach various subjects. But a teacher can teach five, six, seven, even eight or nine classes a day if they're interested in doing that and they have the demand from students. But I would say generally our teachers are teaching that traditional school day of five or six hours a day. And who are your teachers? Where do you get your teachers from? And one of the things that I'm interested in my sort of world as a researcher, one of the things that I've been fascinated with is looking at innovative schools like yours, you know, and other schools around the country and asking these questions like, where do your teachers come from? And recognizing that most, and you can correct me, if your experience has been different, let me know. But that most yeah. traditional avenues that prepare teachers, teacher preparation programs, do not prepare teachers to teach in sort of innovative school models. They're taught to teach in kind of the traditional school model. So I'm sort of interested, A, it's always good when you're a researcher and you're just looking at numbers that people's real world experience jives with that. <laughs> but I'm curious right. both where you get your teachers and what, if any, sort of supplementary preparation training you have to do to get your teachers to work in your particular model. Yeah, really great question. And I would agree with you, you know, the, the certification model and the necessary education schools that are graduating teachers are not necessarily preparing teachers to teach in new, unique, innovative models like a fusion. And in fact, so as a private school, we don't require teachers to be certified. And in fact, the vast majority of our teachers are, although we do have some certified teachers who may have taught in a traditional system and decided they want to come work at fusion. But what we're really looking for, Mike, is two things. One is content expertise. You know, if we're going to have somebody teach history, we want them to have been a history major. 
or if they're going to teach math, right? We want them to be a math major or an engineering major or some content that gives them the ability to know the material. And then secondly, our job is to make sure we find teachers who can build relationships with adolescents, right? It's so important that, that teachers, we actually call our teachers teacher mentors because we think that's half the job, right? If you can really build that relationship and build that trust with the student and then personalize the educational delivery, they're just going to be a great position to have success. So those are the things that are what we focus on all the time. And we find that we can then provide the training to teach effectively in a one-on-one -on -one classroom and to you know, pace the material accordingly. And we provide all that with any new two-year who comes on board. Is that like summer learning? Is that mentor teaching? Is that professional development seminars? Like, what are you doing with those teachers? Yeah, it's a combination. Any new teacher who starts with us goes through our new teacher training program, which is a mix of on online training modules that we've created and have standardized for all new teachers coming into the program, as well as some campus-related teachers development from the assistant director, for instance, who's typically the one who is the person doing the hiring and training and development of the teaching staff. And so it's a mix of that. And then we provide, you know, with a nationwide network of teachers, we have chat groups. So history teachers have a way to share ideas and best practices with each other within a find-to-find community. And so there's a lot of ways that we try and create an environment where teachers can network together, share ideas, get advice and help, both on the campus as well through the national and international network. Now, how have you experienced the kind of labor market for teachers? I know in certain cities around the country and different places, you know, I talk to school leaders and they're like, we are scratching and clawing for top teacher talent. I've talked to other folks in other places who said, well, actually, you know, we have, I don't want to say a glut, but we have a large number of sort of great frustrated teachers that want to try something new. And so we have, a, you know, way more people apply to positions that we have spaces for. I'm wondering where your experience has been, and maybe it varies from place to place, but are you in this kind of scratching and clawing for top teacher talent, or are you seeing like lots of opportunities, lots of folks out there that are sort of interested in this type of work? Yeah, great question. It's a mixed bag. I mean, there are certainly areas in some metro areas, San Francisco, for example, would, that San Francisco barrier would be a perfect example, right? And you had that great resignation of teachers after COVID, et cetera. So we weren't immune to that by any means. And in some pockets, we still struggle to try and find, you know, high quality teachers that can come on board. And there are a lot of options, right? With inflation a couple of years ago, and even now, there's a lot of options for teachers to leave the field to be able to find higher compensation in other markets. All that being said, you know, we went through a challenging time, and I think that's kind of leveling off, and we're, we're learning how to market to and find those teachers better than we used to, right? It used to be a lot easier. Now we got to find, because we're not necessarily recruiting that certified teacher out of a state university, we need to find ways to find folks who have an interest in education, but never really seriously considered it because they felt like they had to be certified. They had to be an education major. And in a private school environment, as you know, and especially in a one-on-one -on -one environment, you don't have to be intimidated by a 30-student classroom. So you can build a relationship. You have content expertise. We can provide the training and the support to ensure you can do a great job and impact kids from the get-go. So you've mentioned a couple broader trends, things that are sort of out in the space that you're working in things like inflation, things like the pandemic. I'd be interested, since you've been doing this for a couple decades now, what has the last you know, five years been like? What has been your experience in trying to navigate 
all of these disruptions that are taking place, because obviously we see in the traditional public schooling system, in higher ed, in charter schooling, and in lots of the private school space, homeschool space, just massive disruptions have taken place. So I'd be interested in just how all of those things have affected the work that you do. Absolutely. And for sure, we talked about teachers a minute ago, and certainly that whole general movement of the great resignation and trying to find teachers, it's forced us to be much more effective in how we do things, forced us to rethink a lot of things in terms of recruiting and retaining teachers. It's a challenge, right? And I think it's much more challenging today than it was five years ago. The second big thing, I think, was the whole way technology changed and virtual learning, right? When the COVID hit, we went virtually within a couple of days. We took, I don't know how many schools we had at the time, but let's say we had 70 back then. We flipped almost overnight 70 schools from teaching in physical campuses to teaching from home under a Zoom connection. Now, we had the benefit of two things. One is one-to-one learning. It's a lot easier to teach over Zoom than it is in a 30-person classroom with third graders or second graders, right? So we had that benefit. I think the other benefit we had is we'd been preparing to launch what's now known as Fusion Global Academy, our online school that serves kids across the country and the world now. And so we had done a lot of that work that helped us give us some preparation to when COVID did hit, fortuitously, it made us easier to transition. And so for whatever it was, almost a year there, we were teaching almost 100% virtually across the organization. So you know, that was a big challenge. And even today, we have many physical campuses where a kid will take most of their classes face-to-face on the campus, but they might choose to take a class or two virtually on Mondays or Fridays or in the morning when the traffic's really bad. Mom and dad don't necessarily have the ability to get them there. And we're fine with that. And that's kind of the new era of what we're in. And I think the thing that I'm most excited about, Mike, is what has happened in the last five years is that I think it's forced parents to become better consumers of education. COVID open them up to the realities that we read about in the papers all the time, right? Of maybe the academic program that they thought their students were getting wasn't as strong as they expected, or there are other issues or problems there. And so it forced parents to step back and say, wow, I need to be much more involved in my child's education than I was before. And technology and some of these innovative solutions out there, I should probably be a little bit more open-minded to. I used to say to folks that You know, as parents, our job was to hopefully be successful enough to be able to move into a geographic area with a good school district. And if they had a good reputation for a school district, I'd put my child on a bus in kindergarten, and then 13 years later, they'd graduate and they'd be ready to go. (laughs) Well, for a long time, that worked. But now I think parents are realizing that uh, it's not the same education that I may have gone to 30 years ago. And so it's forced them to become more in tune and more involved and more responsive to their child's needs. And that's ultimately a good thing. So now you mentioned this Fusion Global Academy, and it's interesting. So it sounds like from what you're saying that its sort of genesis was before the pandemic. Can you talk a little bit about the sort of process of standing that up and where it is today? Yes, absolutely. Luck is sometimes fortuitous, right? And that here we've been talking about doing this. And our big question was, you know, as private schools, we're not exactly cheap, right? One-to-one learning is an expensive proposition. It's costly. And, you know, our bet was, will parents enroll their students in Fusion Global Academy, which works very similarly to how our face-to-face physical campuses work, in that every class is one-to-one. It's you and your teacher, and you move from class to class virtually throughout the day. And it's still costly, right? 
And so our bet was that there's families out there who don't live around a fusion campus, and we're only in 18 physical states and only have 81 physical campuses in the U.S. That means there's a lot of open area where parents are looking for something more customized, more flexible, more in tune with maybe what their child needs. And so we had been preparing to launch, and we were probably about six months away from launching when COVID hit, and we accelerated that. And so we officially launched, I think it was in the summer of 20. 19, is that the beginning of COVID? Is that when it hit, if I'm remembering, or 20? 2020, that's right. And so, you know, it's gone great guns. That first year, we had a few hundred kids who signed up, and it's grown substantially since then. So today, it's a sizable piece of our business. And like I said, it's grown to where we're teaching kids in 50 different states and over 30 countries now. Students are coming to us full-time, and it's really working well. So we're extremely satisfied with the progress we've made and the fact that now we can reach kids anywhere. You know, you've mentioned a couple times in the conversation, you've emphasized the fact that you're private schools. And I'm curious because I could imagine you could incorporate in any number of different ways. You could have become a charter school or you could have tried to do something like this within the traditional public schooling system. So why, why privates? Why do you operate as private schools? Well, you know, it kind of goes back to the genesis of the organization. And before I started this company, I had run a charter school organization called National Heritage Academies, which is a large charter school organization today. And, you know, my experience there was that we felt really proud of the program. We felt really proud of the educational we were providing, et cetera. But we were still kind of a traditional school. And part of that was, is the way the charter schools or laws are set up, you're in many ways, and it's even more so today, you're really constrained by the paradigm of how public schools should work even as a charter school. And some of the innovation they had hoped for, I think, has kind of been reined in over time because lots of political reasons and things like that. But one of the things that I, as an outsider coming into education during the experience that I had my eight years of running National Heritage was that we were a better mousetrap, but we were still a mousetrap, right? We were still putting 28 kids in a class and grieping you by age. And if you were 12 years old, you're going to be in sixth grade, whether you liked it or not. And, and some kids could have been learning at the seventh or eighth grade level. And some kids were behind and probably needed more fourth and fifth grade level material that they could have success with and master and accelerate from there. And so it's an amazing challenge that teachers in all schools are forced to deal with. And inevitably, what happens is teachers have to teach in the middle of the class. Schools try and provide some personalization on both ends of the bell curve, et cetera, but that's a tough proposition. And so it just dawned on me during my time frame there that, you know, the world of education has got to change like all the other industries that we hear about, you know, and if you want a pair of shoes, there are stores built around your type of shoe. If you want a personalized dress, or if you want to go to a restaurant that everything is personalized and customized, except for education, we're still doing it the same way we did a hundred years ago. And so when I was launching the company, I felt like, the future of education has to be about personalization, customization, and specialization. And whoever gets there first is going to win. But I also knew trying to do that within the establishment of the public school realm and the charter school realm was not going to be easy because you're controlled. You don't control your price, right? You receive what the state gives you. And in order to provide something as innovative as what we end up finding and replicating since then, that Fusion Academy, it's very costly. And so, you know, my idea was, Private schools was the way to go, one, because we could control the price based on the cost we had to put in to run a program. And then two, you're not constrained by a lot of the regulations that charter schools and public schools have. And so now 
yes, agreed with all that. But, you know, private schools still have a fair number of regulations that they're under, accreditation, all of those things. Given that it seems even to me, we think of the private schooling sector as being amenable to innovation and all of those things. But a lot of those structures and even some of the state regulations and, like I said, accreditation, others are still kind of built around more typical models. Have you all run into any headaches with that, like dealing with accreditors or dealing with any sort of state regulations or others saying, hey, yeah, we're not going to do classrooms the way that other schools do classrooms. Our schedule is going to look different. Our calendar is going to look different. Our teachers are going to look different. Has that been pretty smooth or have there been some headaches? For the most part, it's been pretty smooth, but each state is different and there are more regulations in private schools in some states rather than others. And so, for instance, seat time, mandatory seat time, has been a big regulation that is, you have to have a certain number of minimum requirements of days of instruction and hours of instruction. And for all the right reasons for public and private schools that are more traditional in our program, you know, you're going to be able to accelerate through the material at your best pace. And so while we certainly have a required number of sessions per semester, et cetera, for a class, students can, if they just take the standard schedule, can finish you know, sometimes even a month or a month and a half earlier than a traditional school. And then they can take the next class and they can continue to accelerate. So we get many students who want to graduate early. And so they come to Fusion and say, hey, I can graduate in three years and then I can go off to college, et cetera. And so that's probably been the biggest regulation. I know there are some states where the public school has to approve a new private school opening up in their district. And that's a little bit of a the fox in charge of the hen house or whatever you want to have. And so we've had a few bumps and bruises in that area as well. But by and large, we do do a thorough analysis of the regulatory environment for private schools anywhere we try and open, because we just don't want to be disruptive and have all kinds of legal hassles and things like that. You know, at the end of the day, the beauty about being a private school is parents don't have to come to us, right? But if they believe that we can better meet the needs of their child, wouldn't we want to give every parent that opportunity? And if they're not happy, they'll leave. So it's a, you know, a classic consumerism model, if you will. So now, as you look to the future, what does the next year, five years, 10 years hold for y'all? Yeah, we're so excited about the future. And I, I always tell our team here that, you know, despite our success over the last 15 years in building this national organization and serving kids internationally, online, et cetera, we're just touching the surface on what Fusion can be. And I really believe that a couple of things are going to be our focus. And one is our vision of creating the most personalized schools in the world. We're probably already there, but I wanted to just cast this image that you're never there, right? You're always trying to figure out how do you make schools more responsive to the needs of every kid. So every kid who walks in can get their life changed and change their trajectory. And shouldn't that what be high school is all about? As kids graduate from high school and they're excited about their future and they're ready to go attack it. And too many times, Kids, they hate school. They they can't wait to get out of school. They're so demotivated. They don't want to go to college or go on to the next thing. That's not what we want. So we want to change that and this idea of becoming the most personalized schools in the world. And we actually call it Fusion My Way. It's a shortened version of what I described earlier, where every family feels like the school is built for their kid. And you know what Fusion My Way means is that no matter what your modality or a mix of modalities, now we can offer face-to-face, we can offer online. In online, we have both the very synchronous program where one-to-one classes, just like we do in our physical campus, as well as an asynchronous model where students have more of that traditional online learning where they have, you know, working more with the computer and there's not as much teacher interaction, but it's for the more independent student who maybe can't afford a high-end synchronous program. So we have that as an option. And so we want to be able to create this Fusion My Way environment where 
families and students can pick what's best for them in an a la carte basis. And then really kind of think about the school being the center of personalized services for any student in a community. And we think about our physical campuses because we have this paradigm that says the school is the school. You go there from you know nine to three or whatever it is. And then you go do other stuff. You go somewhere else for tutoring, you go somewhere else for college counseling, you go somewhere else for coaching and development and things of that nature. We want fusion to be a place that whether you're full-time or part-time, you say, hey, my kid is doing fine in school, but I just don't feel like he or she is getting enough help on the college application process. Or we think he could use a learn how to study or executive functioning or personal financial management, those kind of things that we can provide. We can be a place to help service kids in the most personalized area in all these things around education and educational development. Well, Pete, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure. Thanks for your interest. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. I think it was really fun kind of picking apart the model and understanding why they do the things that they do, who they serve, where their teachers come from, because there's so many sort of intersecting things shaping these schools, the teacher labor market, the students, the pandemic, advances in online learning, the needs for community, but also for personalization. And our discussion today, I think, touched on a lot of those. So I think those of you who may not have necessarily been interested in this particular schooling model, I hope it actually gave you a chance to think about the sort of schooling system that we have and the broader sort of questions that it's trying to answer. Like I said, I really enjoyed the conversation, so I hope you all did too. As always, I'm always looking for interesting folks to chat with. Feel free to email me, mcshane at edchoice.org. That's where I find out about so many of these folks. Just let me know. Say, hey, I know an interesting person. I know an interesting school or school system. Something cool is going on and you need to know about it. Please feel free to give me a shout or you can tweet at me or anything like that. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. Give us high ratings. We really appreciate that. It helps other people find it. As always, I look forward to chatting with you all again on another edition of Ed Choice Chats.